0: Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. We talked last week about crossing the threshold. Do you guys remember that? Crossing the threshold. And we talked about kind of part two this thing. It'll be a part three next week. Where, when we cross the threshold, our ultimate goal is to get into the holy place with the Lord. And, and so, we, we've crossed that threshold when we come into Christ and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We can now get into this place that scripture calls the Holy of Holies. Now, I'll have you bring that up one more time. So, we did the altar deal where on the altar the priest would come and they'd sacrifice a lamb. Well, that sacrifice was Jesus, Jesus made away by the blood of the lamb. And then there was, right after you come into Christ, you get baptized. What's baptism? It's that you go under the water. He cleanses you from your sin. You come up, and you're a new person. The old is gone. The new is come. And so the priests would cleanse themselves before that they would go into the Holy of Holies. And then you've got the oil. And oil in, in Scripture represents the Holy Spirit. So the priests would have oil dumped on their head. They would, and then they could walk into the Holy of Holies. So in the New Testament... The Lord, we come into Christ, we get baptized, purification, and then we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then that dotted line right there, that's the threshold. And we talked about this last week that many people, you're like, I'm good with the first three things. I don't want to go before the Lord. And yet all of the reason that Jesus came was to take the separation that we had with God and to eliminate that separation so that we could boldly approach the throne room of God. Somebody say amen. So, so there's a reason that we've got to cross the threshold. And the reason that we cross the threshold is that in that place of Holy of Holies is where we truly find worship. It's where we truly lay hold of the Lord. It's where we truly get filled with his love and we understand the fullness of who he is and it's in that place that we find the holiness of God and the fear of the Lord and the holiness of God and the fear of the Lord begins to drive what true authentic worship really looks like it is a worship deal I want you to know this, like all of this, we were put on planet earth to multiply, here's Genesis 3, or Genesis 1 and 2, to multiply, subdue the earth, and be image bearers that are worshiping the living God. That's why we're here. We are worshipers of the King of Kings. And so when we walk into that place, the Holy of Holies, we come in and we see what real living worship looks like. And so we, we, we're going to focus on holiness this week and fear of the Lord next week. Everybody say holy living. holy living. What we're after today is what does it look like to have holy living in our life? Not a popular word these days in church life, but holy living is the culture of God's people. Holiness is the culture of God's people. And so I'll talk about that here in just a minute. We know that there are implications that right things matter. You all know that there are right things out there, right? There are right things and there are wrong things. We're not, this is not a free-for-all world where we're just going to do whatever we want to do. There are things that are just right. There are things that are just right. Right things matter. I'm going to give you an idea of what I mean by that. All of my kids just got braces over the last like three or four years, and my older ones are getting out of it, and my 13-year-old son, Trace, he just got his braces on about a year ago, uh, eight months ago, and he came home the other day from his, his orthodontist appointment. He says, well, Dad... They got to do a surgical quick procedure on me. I was like, oh, yeah, son, what do they, what do they got to do? And he goes, well, they got to give me a vasectomy. <laughs> I was like, you're so young, man. Like, you went in for braces, you're coming out with a vasectomy. Oh, things have changed since I had braces, right? I don't know how that's going to help your teeth get lined up, but Okay. And I'm just like, are are you sure it's a vasectomy? Yeah, she said I got to get a vasectomy. My wife is over here, and she's dying. She's she's dying. She goes, they have to give you a phrenectomy. And if you don't know what that is, they take that little muscle right here, and they cut it so that your teeth don't try to continually spread apart. They got to give you a phrenectomy. And Trace goes, oh, whatever. What's the difference? And I was like, oh. Dude. They're going to cut up here. They're not gonna cut down there. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, it, when he said I'm dying, I'm like, that matters, right? <laughs> like right things matter. Like you don't want to go into somewhere thinking you're getting a frenectomy and it's a vasectomy or vice versa. <laughs> right things matter, and if it matters for that, if that matters, and those things are important, why do right things not matter for the Lord? Why is it important that we look at the right things for God and go, yeah, that's a scary deal, right? Um, The same thing, in, in that same token, the same thing with the Lord is that he gives us realities, how to live and how to worship him with our lives. And we call those things righteousness or we call those things holiness. Holiness is the culture of God's people. Holiness is the culture. Everywhere you read in Scripture, you're called to be a holy people, a holy uh, priesthood. You're called holy in His sight. He says, to my holy people, all through Scripture, there is a culture of His people that have been labeled holy. And here we are in our generation, in America in particular, and we just don't really care much about holiness. We just don't go after it. It's like we know what's right But we kind of live in that like greasy grace of God where we're kind of like, you know, he doesn't really care. He actually does. He really does. And so um, we've been kind of catapulting out in this Acts chapter 2. It's been our our springboard the last few weeks. And in verse 37, Peter preached this message. And man, he's coming hard. He's not soft. He's not, remember we said, he's not coddling hearts. He's piercing hearts. And this is what it says in verse 37. Verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, that's heavy language, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? This is an invitation into holiness right here. Something that Peter said gripped their hearts, not softly, but came in like a piercing, and they fell felt something inside of them, and their only response is, what should we do? In other words, we can't hear this and now go on and live our life the rest of the, the life that we want to live. We can't unhear what you just preached. We need to know what do we need to do to get right. How do we live our life now? And, and so Peter says those things that we've been working through, repent, be baptized. So repent, come to Jesus, believe in him. Be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The oil, the, the, the priesthood, the oil of that Holy Spirit is going to come into you for the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so we talked about that repenting, turning to Jesus, baptized, cleansing of sin, coming up, getting out of the water, the old is gone, the new has come, and then we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to you which makes you holy. And so this isn't just a theoretical thing. This isn't like Peter goes, I don't know, let me, let me think here, I guess you could do some repentance and then what else? Uh, I don't know, maybe go into the water. Like there was a right way in which Peter's responding to what should we do? There was a right way. It wasn't based on how you felt. It wasn't based on what you were comfortable with doing. It was based on the word of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so Peter says, this isn't a theoretical thing. It's not like I feel better now, now that I've said yes to Jesus and got baptized. Now I feel better about my life and I'm gonna get up and just live the rest of my life. That's not what this was. It wasn't a moment where somebody goes, That that, that I'm just going to go on with the rest of my life. This was a moment where they said, what should we do? Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then something has to happen. It produces something in me, and I'm forever changed. My life is not the same. And our heart cry in that moment should be to live as Christ. I want to live and be made holy. This is my desire. And it's a step in many cases, especially for 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 the Western Church. I feel like for Western culture that we've forsaken, where it we come into Christ, it's a feel better. I feel better now. I move on, and that's why so many was like, man, nah, I, I was in a dark place. I didn't know what to do, and then somebody said, hey, if you find Jesus, you'll be happy. And I come into Christ, and man, I do. I feel a little bit better. Like I feel a little bit happier, and so now I'm just going to go charge life and live my life. And that's not the gospel. He's not to come in and make me feel better. That's not what he does. That's not right. That, that, that's the difference between a vasectomy and a Somebody say amen. <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> it's not right. And so the goal, the goal is to be holy. That's the goal. Not to go live my The goal is to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So we've got to start asking hard questions. Maybe the hard questions are, is it really a priority to me? Do I really care about seeing the Lord? And I think what we'll find is that there's a lot of believers that are going, man, I I like parts of God. I just don't know that I ever really want to see him. I don't know that I really want to see him. I like the Jesus deal. I like the oil of the Holy Spirit deal, like the baptism that made me feel good. I don't know that I want to cross the threshold and behold him. Because it's in that place, everything is burned that's not of him. Do you hear me? So what we'll find is that the ultimate goal of many believers is I want, I I don't want to see the Lord. I just don't want to go to hell. And we've got a word for that. There's a word for that. It's called escapism. It's, it's called escapism. And, and escapism is this identity of going, um, I want Jesus to escape hell. But I don't know that I ever want to stand before the Lord and lose who I am. And so for, for that word escapism, it's, it's more of an escapism faith. Than a beholding faith because escapism faith says I just don't want to go to a bad place but I don't necessarily know that I want the Lord that will never produce holiness in your life escapism faith doesn't produce holiness in your life beholding faith produces holiness because beholding faith says I'm not looking just to escape the flames of hell I want to cross the threshold and stand before the God of the universe and this is what we've been invited into. And so many of us are just at that threshold going, "I don't." this is the, once I cross, I can't unsee what I've seen. Once I cross over, it's over. My life just beheld the Lord. I've got to do something with that. There's a piercing that happens in my heart when I see the Lord in the Holy of Holies. And I'll tell you what that means here in just a moment. Because somebody goes, what does that mean to see him? What does that look like? And so holiness, holiness always will start with the right view of God. And, and I just want to say it again. Escapism faith will never bring you into the holiness of God. Beholding faith will. So holiness starts with the, view, uh, the right view of God. There's a reverence for him. Um, worship, worship is what we are created for. But here's the problem. Again, I'm, throwing, I'm, I'm lobbing darts. I'm going to lob missiles here in just a moment, all right? All um, right. We have created worship as entertainment. We go to concerts, we can rock out Chief Stadium like nobody's ever seen before, right? You you, you can shake that place with, I mean, no matter if a worship band comes in there, you can shake that place with your favorite songs. Worship becomes entertainment. And because worship becomes entertainment, now all of a sudden we want to come into church, we want to be entertained, And how I know that is, is we judge church life off of things like, hey, what would you think of that church that you visited? Kids ministry, okay, worship wasn't, I don't know, worship wasn't very good. What does that mean? What does it mean worship wasn't good? You're saying God wasn't very good? Or we'll say things like in my own heart, and I've done this, right? Like, man, worship was on point, point this week, but last week, I don't know, worship wasn't as good. You mean God wasn't as good last week as he is today? Because we've reduced worship to how it makes me feel. We've reduced worship to how much it gravitated towards my heart, to how it spoke to me, and yet everything in scripture says that worship is unto His glory. So how are we tracking with that? And so what we see is simply this, we've, we've turned worship into entertainment, so now we've got to entertain better and we have the wrong view of God because it's not about His holiness, it's about my feelings and not about Him. So Corey Russell has this statement. He says, the greatest thing confronting America right now is not what is happening in Washington, D.C. or governmental centers. The greatest crisis confronting America is the church is bored with Jesus. We are. We're just bored with So we're just like, man, we got to up our game. Got to get my lights going. We got, we, we, get, Right? We're trying to up our game, and here we are talking about the majesty of God, and we're trying to up our game in worship, and by upping our game in worship, what we really mean is we've got to make people stirred in their hearts. If God doesn't stir your hearts, no song will, because one of them is real and one of them's not. And so, he says we're bored with Jesus. He says this, because we're bored with Jesus, it's like a cry of our hearts, like entertain me entertain me he says our eyes they're blind and our ears are shut and we're forging ahead here's a Haggai chapter one Haggai the book of Haggai says we're forging ahead building our own paneled houses for our own good forsaking the house of the Lord and he says this our cry should be Restore our fascination with you, Lord. Restore our wonder. Restore our awe of you again. Because all the worship is due to your name. Amen? And so just how passionate is the Lord for this whole holiness thing? Um, uh, we stated over and over that there's this priesthood role that we're in. We're a royal priesthood, scripture says. So as we enter into that holy place, we've got a history to look at. The Old Testament, never stop reading the Old Testament, Ever. The Old Testament is a great foreshadowing of what's coming in the new. We're new covenant people, but the Old Testament is going to tell you all about Jesus. It's going to tell you about different roles the priests played. Now there's a New Testament reality in those things. And so in the Old Testament, if you look, God's going to give these commands about how to go into the Holy of Holies. And we've worked through some of these. And so um, there's a story of Aaron and his sons. And in Leviticus chapter 9... Starting with verse 23, it talks about how Aaron and Moses go in in the right order of the Lord. And here's what it says. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meetings, and they went in to meet with the presence of the Lord. When they came out, they blessed the people, and look what it says. The glory, somebody say glory. Glory. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. How profound is that? If the glory of the Lord starts showing up in the churches, I'm going to sit down and shut my mouth. This is what it was like when they approached the Lord in the right order. The glory of the Lord would descend upon the place. Now look what happens. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the, and the fat portions on the altar. So they would lay that sacrifice on the altar. God was so pleased with what they were doing and how they were giving him reverence and awe and the holiness of God was upon them that God's like, here's my all-consuming fire. Watch. People were like. Ugh. It was a, a thing to behold. And it was changing people's hearts. And here's what it says. And when all the people saw it, there was something tangible. When all the people saw it, They shouted for fear. What's it say? Joy. Joy. It It wasn't like all of a sudden fear came in and everybody's like, oh. The joy of the Lord filled people's hearts. Now, we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord next week. But the joy of the Lord actually filled their hearts because the fear of the Lord brings the joy of the Lord. So the joy of the Lord filled their hearts and they fell face down. What a sight to behold when the church of America falls down on their face and says, we've beheld you. We've beheld you don't need to entertain me anymore. We see you. <clears throat> that's what happened when it was offered rightly. Next chapter, chapter 10. Right after that, Aaron's sons come in. Right after that, people shout for joy face down. Chapter 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abuhu, that's how to call them, took <laughs> 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 to, to, took their censors. Put fire in them and added incense. Listen to this. And they, author, uh, they offered unauthorized. Most translations say strange. They offered a strange fire before the Lord. Contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord. Because either fire is coming to consume what's on the altar because you've walked in obedience. Or fire is coming to consume something else. Fire came out of the altar from, from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, listen to this, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who I approach, among those who approach me, I will be proved what? Holy. Holy. Is holiness important to the Lord? I will be proved holy. I will be proved better than entertainment. I will be proved better than distractions. I will be proved better than this life. I will be proved holy in the sight of all people and I will be honored. And look what Aaron said. Just saw his two sons go down. Aaron remained silent. They carried his sons carried something in that looked apart but was a strange fire, it was unauthorized, it wasn't what the Lord asked, it wasn't right. Yeah, I could use that analogy, the two all day long about my son, you get it. One of those is a strange fire. <clears throat> we have, and I as was reading through this and meeting with some brothers, we were talking about some things and just feel like in some ways we've neglected the things of God for our own fires. And so if you set this up in Exodus, here's why you see the Lord is so passionate about this. In Exodus and Leviticus, you'll read a phrase over and over and over that the Lord told Moses and Aaron and Israel about how to do things. God told them to make a tabernacle with certain dimensions, and it says they did it just as the Lord commanded them. God told them to make a table for the bread of presence, and it says they did just as the Lord commanded them. God told them to make exact sacrifices and how they were to be made. And it says they did it just as the Lord commanded them. There's a phrase over and over in Scripture that says they did it as the Lord commanded them. And then in Scripture, you're going to read this. It says, hey, those who love me will obey my commands. This is the one who loves me. They'll obey my commands. And so you got Aaron and his sons... And God has given them these instructions of what it looks like to minister before the Lord, and here's his sons coming in, and they're just throwing random coals of fire in their incense, and they're just throwing random things in there, and they're igniting this before the Lord, and something happened, because they didn't listen to the Lord's instructions, and they used their own fire, rather than the fire that God gave them, that he kindled, that he preserved for himself, they had lit their own flames, and it consumed them. And I'm just wondering today how many of us in the church want to run by lighting our own flames and not the flames the Lord has given to us. Are we good? Phrenectomy. (laughs) There's some reasons why scripture gives and uh, uh, alludes to why this this is possibilities. One, Leviticus 6.13 says, a fire shall always be burning on the altar, it shall never go out. So there's some speculation that possibly um, Aaron's sons, who are supposed to be watching that and monitoring that, because of distractions and laziness in their life, they just let the fire go out. So they're trying to stoke a new fire, like, oh, man, he told us not to do it. He'll never know. He knows. And I think about our life of just going, man, have we let the fire go out in our own life? Have I maintained relationship with the Lord? Is my life marked still by my desire for his word and that spirit-led, getting into it, not out of obligation, out of a privilege to be with him? Continuous prayer to hear his voice and lean into him. Fervent worship. Or am I just going through the motions of compliance and, well, this is what you do at church, and this is what a religious system looks like. Because if that's where I'm at, that's a strange fire to the Lord. Now, some of you guys are going, wow, hold up. You're you're hitting, I'm not not trying to hurt hearts, trying to pierce hearts. That's first. I want to pierce hearts today. And actually, the piercing of hearts isn't going to bring condemnation, it's going to bring the joy of the Lord. The second thing um, that there's a possibility of what happened, Leviticus 10 says in verse 9, it says, Do not drink wine um, or intoxicating drink. Listen. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink you nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle. When you go in before the presence of the Lord, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, don't go in there drunk. Lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So all he's saying is, when we go before the Lord, there's a sobriety about us that what he says, he'll say in the New Testament, if you're going to get drunk, he says be filled or get drunk with the Holy Spirit. Meaning, if I'm going to be filled with something, make sure it's the Holy Spirit. And that same mandate was for him, don't get drunk before the presence of the Lord. There should be a sobriety about us where there's not a mixture in your heart and a confusion. Know what you're doing, right? Listen to what he says. And, and it says, um, he says, so there's an indication in Leviticus that when they went in there, not only were they offering strange fire, but there was, they were drunk, they were intoxicated because they had... You know, they had been drinking, and there was a strange mixture in them. And so here's the deal. It could be that you and I are just coming before the Lord with a strange mixture. Doesn't have to be that we're sitting there drunk like how we would see drunk. It could be that I have a mixture of everything else in life that's vying for my heart. Because he's going to say it, 2 Corinthians 11, Paul's going to say it like this. "To To not be led astray from sincere and pure. Pure means not diluted. There's not a mixture in there led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. There's something about a pure devotion that the Lord is looking for. Um, and why is this so important? Why is God's fire so important? I was reading uh, a blog um, that, that a gal had shared, and, and I, just, I just wrote it down. I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna share what she read. I think it's important. She said, my husband brought home a new heater for our bedroom a few days ago. It's a pretty little electric heater that looks like a real fireplace. Anybody have one of those? yeah. It has a very real-looking simulated fire, and judging by appearance only, it is very convincing, but there is nothing real about it. The warmth emits simply, the warmth it emits simply comes from a fan that blows across electric heating coils. As I admire how real it looks, I can't help but notice that though it does does feel good to my flesh, it just doesn't feel the same as a real fire. Then my husband reads the manual and it says that unlike a real fire, it won't change the moisture and oxygen content in the air. In that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's because it's fake. (laughs) It doesn't change the atmosphere. That's when it hit me, real fire changes things. That is the nature of fire. Everything a real fire touches, it changes. It becomes something completely different. It even changes the atmosphere around it. Fake fire or a strange fire, however, doesn't change anything because it's a fake fire. It doesn't change the atmosphere. It blows past my flesh and it feels good, but it doesn't affect me from the inside out. I stay cold on the inside. It doesn't permeate my being and change me on the inside. It doesn't change the atmosphere in the room in any lasting manner. It's warm as long as it blows, but as soon as it stops, the cold takes over. Real fire, on the other hand, that's in our living room, once it's lit, it changes the very chemistry of the air, causing a real and lasting change. That's when I saw what he was showing me. Strange fire tries to add something to the atmosphere, but real fire changes the atmosphere. Strange fire tries to add something to a person's life, situation, heart, how we feel, but real fire changes their heart, and it's not about their feelings. And he goes through and he says counterfeit, she goes through counterfeit religion and these feel good, leave you as you are messages and all of these things, these are what strange fire looks like to the Lord. It doesn't really change anything. And again, I began to think about that Romans 12.1. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. And, and how many times we often, we say, God, we sing these songs. Lord, come and soon, you know, throw your fire down on the altar. And, and I love this word in, in, in scripture. It says that the Lord's fire didn't come on the altar. The Lord's fire came on the sacrifice. It doesn't say offer yourself as an altar. It says offer yourself as a sacrifice. We're supposed to be touched by the fire of God that changes us and transforms our life. <clears throat> It's not adding grace to my sinful life. It's allowing the grace of God to change my sinful life. Some, amen? And then she closed with this. You see, I can't touch, she says, you see, I can touch this fake fire and it won't burn my flesh. It's designed, it's designed not to. I won't cause, it won't cause me any discomfort at all. No pain, no change, nothing burned away. It's designed to give me all the pleasures of fire and the ooze and the ahs and the flash and the show of it and the dry and the warmth that somehow is reminiscent of the real thing but not like the real thing because it actually doesn't carry the real power that real fire does. And I begin to think about the word of the Lord that says we can have the form of godliness but deny us power. You guys with me? How many of you guys love Jesus? Okay, amen. So there's this, there's this call then of going, I know that now. I know that now. Okay, so the Lord is radically serious about holiness. Don't bring strange fire. I've given you right things. Don't bring strange fire. So then what does holiness look like? What's my role in this? Well, first it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so there's a call for holiness. You're going to see it all over scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 23 says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Sanctify is another word for holiness. Make you more holy. It says sanctify you through and through. It's a process. Somebody say, I'm in process. You're not there today, but you're getting there. He's sanctifying you through and through. And then it says this, just to make sure you know. He says, sanctify me through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. So here's the thing, and I want you guys to hear this. If you feel like condemnation hitting your heart, I want to set you free from that today. Because he says, therefore, in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation. Amen? John Bevere has this thing, this word that he gives. And uh, he talks about two kinds of holiness. One holiness, two ways that it's displayed. The first one is he says there's positional holiness. And this is what positional holiness is. Positional holiness is our position in Christ. You can't change that. You're not changing that. When you come into Jesus, he doesn't say, okay, you've come into me. Now you've got to work on getting my approval. You've got to work on getting my love. The beautiful thing about positional holiness is that he made me holy from day one. Colossians uh, 1.22 says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Someone needs to hear that today. It's not something I earn. It's not a behavior that I'm trying to do to try to get more from God. When I come into Jesus, he's positioned me into a place of holiness. I have access into the holy of holies. The moment that you got saved, he marked you. I'll give you an example of what that looks like. When I married Christy, and I've given you examples like this before. When I married Christy, uh, th- Christmas. <laughs> She's like Christmas, all right? Uh, when I married Christy, the moment she became my wife, we were one. That moment. I- I'm not any more married to her now 21 years later. It's not like here I am 21 years later going, I've been so much more married to you. N- no. Day one, we exchanged rings. I said, I do. She said, I do. I said, I take you for life. She said, I take you for life. And in that moment, day one, positionally, I became her husband. I'm not trying to earn trying to be more of her husband. And she's not trying to earn to be more of my wife. Positionally, we became one. Somebody say amen. amen. So that's positional holiness. Then you got behavior holiness. That behavior that results from us being one with Christ. That behavior holiness is simply this, Hebrews 12, 14. Everybody say it, pursue pursue holiness because without holiness no one will see the Lord. There is a pursuit that happens in our life. He's going to say in First 1 Peter 1.14, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways, living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God chose you as holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I'm holy. Now again, there's not a condemnation because who made you holy? Somebody say, Jesus. Jesus made you holy. It's the position that I have. Now I'm just walking that out. My behavior is coming to alignment. I'll give you the follow up with Christy. So positionally I was her husband day one. I didn't have to earn that, try to come into more of that. So again when I married her I couldn't be more married to her positionally over 21 years but I can tell you over 21 years I've learned new behaviors with her. (laughs) I've learned what she loves. I've learned what she doesn't love. I've learned what floats her boat. And I've learned what helps her boat sail away from me. (laughs) I've learned when to open my mouth. Come on, fellas. I've learned when to shut my mouth. My behavior changed when I came into my position as husband. And I'm being sanctified through and through. It continues to change. I'm not the same guy I was. She's not the same woman she was. We're being sanctified. Now. now, you put that in the context of the Lord, and what you begin to see is God is sanctifying you through and through, and you are starting to walk in the right manner that's worthy of the gospel. And how do you do that? You Stay tethered to the vine, number one. John, John 15, we do have time to read it. It's the vine and the branches do. You remain in me. All remain in you. You'll produce fruit. The branches in you that don't produce fruit, I'm going to cut them off. The branches that do produce fruit, I'm going to prune them back. You guys all remember that. And look what he says. I'm going to read this one part. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and he withers and branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and they're burned. Here we are. If we, we have an escapism faith, we're getting burned if we're not doing fruit. What are we escaping from? But if we have a beholding faith that gets us into the throne room of God, it changes everything brings us into His holiness. And so, man, which I had time for this, but I want to pray this out. So holiness comes from remaining in Christ. Holiness is going to help you produce fruit in your life. Without holiness, we're in trouble. He says it. He'll cut off the branches that don't produce fruit. He'll throw them away and they'll be burned by the fire. So there's a cutting back and there's a cutting off. Note the season that you're in. Sometimes you think you're in a cutting-off season, and God is just pruning you back Sometimes you're in a cutting-off season. He's like, I don't want that in your life Let it happen. Amen. Note the season that you're in, but <clears throat> Colossians three twelve. Let me just give you something real practical Therefore as God's chosen people somebody say holy Holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves now. He's going to give us some practical things. What's holiness look like? clothe yourself compassion Kindness, gentleness, patience Bear with one another, forgive one another If you have any grievance against someone Forgive as the Lord forgave you Above all these virtues put on love Which binds us together in perfect unity Sounds a lot like the fruit of the Spirit He's going, there's something coming out of you This is what holiness begins to look like Because it begins to look like Jesus And Then he says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts Let Christ dwell among you richly Sing songs and hymns from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude on our hearts. Whatever you do and word to do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father all along the way. So here's the deal. That's a list of things that you can do. Those, and you'll find those throughout the New Testament. This is Christian living. This is what it looks like. And begin to put those. Now some of you guys are list takers, You're like, yeah, keep giving me a list. Look, don't just write a list down. You can have a list and not love the Lord. This isn't birthed out of a list, this is a birth out of love. It's birthed out of your affection for the Lord and His affection for you. It's birthed out of you dwelling with Him and His holiness dwelling in you. And then you'll find lists in there where He says, get away from these things. Sexual immorality and drunkenness and orgies and filthy language and slander and gossip. All you got to begin to do is get tethered back to the Word, you'll begin to see where He has you. But here's what I want to bring it full circle, we're going to sing this song. Do you have strange fire in your life that you're bringing before the Lord? Looks good, but it's not God. Looks the part, and there's going to be a fire that's coming out of that tabernacle. There's going to be a fire It's going to consume the right thing that you lay down or consume you. Do you have a strange fire? Thank you so much for tuning in for today's Word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.